Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. It is Easter, and I know that uh, this is a, a big church day, and as it should be, I pray this morning that as we are able to celebrate the 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 resurrection of of Christ, that that my intention this morning is that we would kind of do just that. It would be more celebratory. I know oftentimes the uh, Easter services can be uh, spent a lot of time on the the beating and the, the, the punishment and the, the things that, that Christ went through before getting to the cross and before coming off the cross and rising again. And this morning I really wanted, as I kind of prayed through things and thought through things and read over stuff and kind of thinking of where I was going, I really just wanted this to become a day of celebration. And, and so this morning I, I, I guess I've entitled it that Christ He gave of Himself. As we go into this time this morning for the next few moments, I just want to, I want us to kind of stop what we have going on in the busyness of our day and of our lives and of all of those things and just kind of stop and think, not just that he gave all and that I know that that's kind of a, a typical thought at Easter, that he gave all, he gave his life and he, he died on that cross and he rose again, but, but literally all of his life was Him giving of Himself for you and for me. His entire life. If we were to go back through, and we will just briefly this morning, but if we were to go back through, Jesus Christ left heaven, He left glory, He left perfection, He left all of those things where angels would be around Him and where people would, or the angels would worship Him, and He left that, He came to earth to be born of a virgin, to be born in a manger, where none of us would be born. To that instant, have people after him to kill him. The king at the time sent out to to seek and to find Jesus, to kill him. And so from the beginning, he gave of himself. He gave of himself all throughout his life. If, if we go into the time of Jesus teaching and, and Jesus performing miracles and Jesus doing what Jesus did in ministry over the course of, of his ministry time, he did nothing but give of himself and give of himself and give of himself. This is a man that the reality is did not have to do that. But he gave of himself He gave of himself teaching the disciples to the point where he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And while he was there, he was praying and he told them to sit and watch or to pray and watch. And as he prayed, they slept and he woke them up and he said, hey, let's try this again. And he he did it again and, and he gave of himself to try to teach them. What was the one question the disciples asked? Hey, teach me how to pray. How do we do this? And the one thing that he was trying to do, they fell asleep on him. Do we not do that all the time? God, you really need to show me this. And God, you really need to let me, let me, and here we go. Just kind of, we, we get off doing our own thing. But in the midst of that, Jesus is teaching and he, he gets up and he, he sees that they're sleeping and he just kind of says, hey, whatever, I'm just, I got stuff to do. And, and he sees the multitude, the crowd coming and, and they're coming to beat him. They're coming to take him. They're coming to arrest him. And he says, hey, what are you guys doing? Who are you looking for? He knew what they were doing. He knew who they were looking for. And he says what? I am he. Hey, I am he. What can I do for you? Knowing full well the ramifications of exactly what was about to take place, he said, I am he. Here I am. Here I am. Take me. And at that moment, he yet again gave of himself. They didn't arrest him and take him. He gave himself to them. He was taken from there and 
We know the story for the most part, everybody that's in this room this morning, but he was taken and from there he went to Annas and he, he began to, to get questioned. He began to, to be uh, interrogated, so to speak. And it was there, it is the first time that he was struck in the face. From there he was led to Caiaphas, the high priest where the council presented, again, false accusations against him. And, and he was asked this question for the first time, was if he was Christ, the Son of the Blessed. And he says this, It is as you said I am. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. At that point, Caiaphas, the high priest, becomes angry. Basically, get out of here. Get out of here. And he begins to be beaten and he begins to be taken and and he begins to be mocked. He was blindfolded. He was hit. And they would say, who hit me? As he was just mocked over and over and over again. From there, he would be taken to the Sanhedrin and in front of the council was again asked if he was the son of God. And he basically makes the same same response, but he says this. If I say yes, you don't care. No matter what my response is, basically, he looks at them. He said, doesn't matter what I say to you. There's nothing that I can say to please you. If I say yes, I am the son of God, you're going to beat me because you don't believe it. But he says it again and he says, you rightly say that I am. In Luke 22 is that passage of Scripture. But in to Pilate, he is taken again to Pilate. And they, they take Jesus where Pilate says, you deal with him. Pilate looks at him when they bring him to him and he says, listen, he is out of my jurisdiction. You deal with him. And the Jews say, but I can't. We can't do anything. He has to be dealt with. He has to be killed by you outside of the city walls for it isn't lawful for them to put someone to death Pilate then asks the same question Jesus are you the king Jesus's response was this it is right as you say that I am a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth hears my voice Pilate then leaves and he goes out and he says, I find no fault in this man. There is nothing on this guy. I can't say anything. I can't do anything. I I can't. I'm stuck. There is no fault in this man. So as we know in the story, Pilate sends him to somebody else. He sends him to Herod of Antipas and and they robe him and they mock him again. and, And Pilate even goes as far as to kind of scourge him just to say, hey, This guy's been beaten. This guy, we've done everything and he's done nothing wrong. But they mock him. He says again that they find no fault in him. And he basically comes to his decision. Listen, I've got to let somebody go. So I'm going to take Barabbas, the the worst of the worst criminal, and I'm going to take Jesus, and I'm going to throw him out into the crowd. And as I put them before you, would you rather Jesus, or would you rather Barabbas? And we know what they say as they begin to scream out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We know that story. Pilate has kind of done all that he can do. They placed a robe on him and mockingly they say, Hail, King of the Jews. He was again beaten some more. He was put before the people. He was he was done everything, further mocked, further beaten, further he was stripped. And, and they put the robe on him to mock him and to, to make fun of him. They put a reed in his hand and they said, Hey, here you go. And they kind of put him out in front of everybody. Then they take the reed and they hit him upon the head. They put the crown of thorns on him and they, they cram the crown down into his skull and blood begins to pour some more and more we we know the story from there he would be led to the place of the skull 
called Golgotha's Hill. And it was there again. Again, I I can't say it enough, and I'll say it over and over this morning. He gave of himself time and time again. You know, the hardest thing for us as human beings to do is to give of ourselves. We are a self... Here, I, I say this all the time. I am a selfish individual. I like for things to be okay and dealt okay for me. I'm selfish in that regard. Jesus gave of himself. He laid himself down upon a cross. He stretched out his arms. He gave himself to the, to the, the, the gathering of people that came to arrest him in the garden. He over and over and over and over again placed himself there for them. And at any point, at any time, he could have said, it's done. At any point in time, he could have snapped his fingers and they all would have fell. At any point in time, he could have called for the angels. And we know this, but he gave of himself. And here he he walks down that Golgotha's hill and he's placed upon a cross and he's put up on the cross. And as Jesus is up there for those first three hours, it's quiet. It's silent. And just, I want us to think, I want you to stop this morning. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to get to the part where we're celebration. But I want us to stop and to think, as Jesus is up there upon that cross, he gave of himself. But think of this, while he was there, he looks out into the multitude of people and he looks out in the crowd. And in Luke 23, it says this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I don't know about you, but you put me upon a group of people and you want to mock me and you want to scourge me and you want to, you want to call me out in front of a group of people and I know that I've done absolutely nothing wrong. My response is going to be, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to fight back. Just like most everybody in this room is going to fight back. And here's what Jesus does upon a cross. He says what? Father, forgive them. God, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they don't understand what they're doing at this point, at this time. Not only that, is, is he's up there. And in that first three hours, he looks as the, the people beside him are kind of mocking him. Hey, if you really are this guy and the, the, the guy beside him. And then he looks and he says, hey, today... Today you will be with me in paradise. Wait a second. The crowd that was moments ago screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The group of people that wanted to mock him as he walked all the way up to that hill. You do understand, hopefully, they did this as nothing but mockery. Not just to Jesus. Anybody that was on a cross was done in mockery. They did it in the center of town. They did it so everybody that walked through there would see those that were hung upon a cross. Not just Jesus, everybody. And here he is, being mocked by all of them. Father, forgive them. Hey, you, today, you will be with me in paradise. He gave of himself. And he says this last thing in that first little bit while he's up there on the cross. He looks out upon the crowd and he looks out and he sees his mom. He looks out and he sees his mom. And in the crowd, he he says in, in John 19, 26 and 27, he says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto her or unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he looks over at Jonathan, or John, he says, Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that, that disciple took her unto his own home. He's on the cross and he says, Forgive them. He's on the cross and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. He's on the cross and he looks out at the gathering of people. He's being mocked. He's being beaten. He looks out and he sees mom. And he says, Hey, everything's going to be okay, mom. 
He looks out beside her and he sees John and he says, Hey, John, I want you to make sure that you take care of her. He gave of himself over and over and over again. This man gave of himself. And to me, this is where the story to me just begins to get exciting. And I don't, I, I don't know, I hope that it comes off this way, but this is where it begins to get exciting because as we go through the passages, as we go through, and if we look at Matthew 27 and 45, he, he begins here. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all of the land under the ninth hour. Now we've got to understand, this is in the middle of the day. We're not at dark, we're not at nighttime. We're, we're in the middle, dead smack right now, darkness, boom, black. Jesus says, forgive them. Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus looks out, says to his mother, says to, his, to, to John, as a disciple of his, he, he goes through those things. And then all of a sudden, as he's on the cross, that sixth hour come and darkness and blackness cover the area. We don't know if it was just in that specific area or if it was worldwide, they think it may have been worldwide as there's writings from around um, outside of biblical writings that reference darkness at a period of time. But we don't know 100%. But here's what we know. Complete, utter darkness covers the room, the area. I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at what They think they don't know. They're mocking Jesus hanging on a cross. And Jesus begins to speak and he says a couple things. And all of a sudden, darkness comes upon the room. I've just now begun to go, whoa, what just took place? Because here we are in the middle of day and darkness is everywhere. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where it's been complete darkness. I'm talking no light, period. No stars, no moon, no sun, no windows, no, no light. But I know what happens in my home when darkness happens. Usually a couple of my kids go, ah! It wasn't long ago, I don't know, probably a month or two ago, whatever it was in Henderson. It's 10 o'clock, 9, whatever it was, 9, 9.30. Everybody's posting on Facebook about the blackness that came, or darkness that had in my home, they were in bed sleeping. I'm thinking, that's good. You want it to be dark, right? Nah. All the lights go out. Dad, what are we going to do? Uh, go to bed. It's dark. <laughs> I'm loving it. Even then, when there's no electricity, you have stars. You have a moon. This is in the middle of the day, complete and utter darkness. I think most everybody in this room would, would maybe recognize, but, but here's, here's what darkness rec- or, or, uh, resembles, or, or here's what darkness speaks of in God's Word. I'm just going to go through a number of passages of Scripture, just kind of hang with me here. But in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 30, it says, Behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. In thirteen, in, in Isaiah chapter 13 and 10, 11, For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp and of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. Joel chapter 2 and verse 2, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Darkness in scripture mentions and references judgment, mentions and references sin, And at this point in time, basically what was coming and what was taking place, Jesus was beginning to hold and take and to carry your sin and mine. Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin. And darkness came upon the entire earth. Darkness hits. 2 Peter 2 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Jude 6, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the day or until the judgment of the great day. The cross was a place of judgment. And it was no different for Christ when he was up there. They were putting him up there as a judgment. They were putting him up there as a punishment. They were putting him regardless if he was perfect or not. That's why he was there. And upon that time and at that moment, darkness comes. Jesus was on that cross for another three hours. And Jesus is completely separated from his Father. See, you and I don't fully have a grasp of what it is, of what sin really is. Because that's who we are. I don't fully comprehend all of what sin is in my life because that is all that I know. Jesus knew nothing but perfect unity with his Father. Jesus knew nothing but perfection, but glory, but all of those things. Even while he walked the face of the earth, he himself had a perfect union between he and his Father. But in this moment, he took upon sin. He became sin. My sin was laid upon his shoulders. Your sin was laid upon his shoulders. He became that sin. And upon that time and at that time, complete separation took place. If we were to go into God's word in Isaiah 53 and and a number of other places we see here, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Romans 4, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 1 Corinthians, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become, I might become the righteousness of God. Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ was put upon that cross. Christ was pierced. Christ was was crushed. Christ took upon that chastisement. Christ went and gave himself upon the cross for all of those things because of your sin and my sin. He took upon that the sin of this world. And while he was on that cross, Jesus cries out and he says, My God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? This being the only time in Scripture that Jesus did not call him Father was during that separation. So we had Jesus walking to the cross, he gave himself. Jesus going through those first few hours and as he was upon that cross, he looks out and he says, Father, forgive them. And he, he looks out and he, he sees his mom and he, he looks out and he sees John and he looks to his, to his right and he says, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. And he, and he gives of himself. And, and while he's up there, he, was, he noticed or recognized and felt the complete separation. Father, why? Why, are you lef- why have you left me? Father, why hast thou... Why? And then we come to this point. And at this point, I said it started to get real once darkness hit. But at this point, it's, it's gotten real. 
Because Jesus now at this time has been hanging upon a cross for roughly nine hours. And Jesus stands up, so to speak, and he, he might have looked up. I don't know if he looked up. I don't know if he raised his head to, the, to, to heaven. I don't know if he, he stayed low. But regardless of what he does, he sa- it says in God's word that he yells, It is finished. And one more time, he gives himself away. Gives of himself. I was talking with our small group this last week, and one of the things that I've made reference to in my study, and I've made reference to to them, was I've sat at the bed of many people that were on their way close to death. And if there's one thing that I've yet to hear from any of them as they stand or as they lay upon, or lay upon a bed, one is it takes about every ounce of strength that they have to say one last time, hey, I love you. Oftentimes you will see a mouth moving, but you do not hear a voice coming out. Oftentimes you will see maybe, hey, I love you, and they'll squeeze your hand. But one of the things that you don't get often is a vocal, hey, I love you. It's going to be okay. Jesus from the cross, as he's about to die, he raises his head or he, whatever he does, he says, it is finished. And he yells out, it is finished. You say, why does that matter? Here's why that matters, and here's why I say that this morning. He still had strength to live. He still could have called the angels. He still could have done anything that he wanted to do. But he says, Father, it is finished. And here's what he was saying. God, I have done. Father, I have came to do what I have. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. Now it is over. Now it is finished. Here I am. The work is done. And at that point in time, here's where things get real good. And I hope that you, I don't know. But here's where it gets real good. Because what does it say? Instantly, the veil from the top down is torn. The earth begins to quake. The rocks begin to break in two. And all of hell breaks loose. Literally, right there at that spot. And at that point in time... Everybody standing around says, Oh no. What did they say? When the centurion in Matthew 27, verse 54, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Luke 24, or 23, I'm sorry, says it this way. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Certainly this man was righteous. And in verse 48, it says, All that came together to that sight, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. Listen, this morning, as, as I get to, a, I'm going to get into the points here, and they're short. But as I get into this this morning, here's where we, this is, to me, it just, it, it becomes real. They've been doing this. These Roman soldiers do this every day. These people have put many hundreds after hundreds after hundreds of people have stood or have hung upon a cross. Many of them have gone before. Many of them have been taken down off the cross. Many of them have done those things. And I'm sure many of them have said things that they probably wish they hadn't said as they we're on the cross spouting out whatever they would spout out. But here Jesus upon a cross says, it is finished. And as he says it, from the top down, the veil begins to tear and that earth begins to quake. 
And as it says here, that centurion soldier that was standing there, standing guard beside Jesus, hanging upon a cross, says, truly, truly this was the Son of God. And Luke, it says that they looked at Jesus and they praised God. For he was a righteous man. This morning we celebrate. This morning we sit here. Because Christ went upon that cross. He took my sin and my shame. But not just that. When he gave up the ghost, when he said, it is finished, that veil was torn. And upon that veil being torn, I, I now have access to go before God and to sit and to kneel before an almighty God at my leisure, whenever I want, all day, every day. And I have access to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords at whenever I want and whenever I desire that. You have access because he said it is finished and the veil was split wide open and I had access to God Almighty, the one, the only, the only true and living God I had access to, you had access to. That's what we have on Easter. But it's not finished, right? Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, I've got just a couple short points this morning. It says this, and it'll be on the screen as well. Verse number one, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was light, was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified." He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, the go- be- behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to the- tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and beheld him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Father God, I ask that in these next few moments, that Lord, you would speak through your word. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I've got just a couple quick points based on the resurrection this morning. The first is this. There was compassion and fear. Compassion and fear. As we look at Matthew 28, and there's other passages that speak of the resurrection. Uh, We could have looked at John, and we'll look at that a little bit. John chapter 20 uh, is really a more detailed um, account. But as we look at Matthew 28, there was compassion and fear. So we know that that they went to Jesus and they came as he was on the cross and they asked, can we take him down? And, and we know kind of they did not break his legs as they would typically do. They would break his legs and then as he would, they would fall, they would suffocate them. And over time, it wasn't an immediate thing, but we know Jesus was already dead. And so they pierced his side, as it said in Isaiah, that he would be pierced for our transgression. And so we know that. And when they, they took him down and they laid him down and, and somebody came and offered to basically pay for the burial and do all of those things. And they wrapped him and they, they take him to a tomb that had not been used. It was a brand new tomb and they laid him in a tomb. And here we see in verse two, or chapter 28, in the end, the Sabbath began to dawn and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary come to the sepulcher. I don't know what was taking place in their minds. I don't know what would have been taking place in my mind. Jesus told them he was going to raise again. 
Jesus told them kind of what was about to take place and what was going to take place. But they go one last time and, and, and Mary's, Mary's go and they go to kind of pay maybe their last respects. We know that they had spices and they were going to go and they said within the passage, one of the passages that they were hoping kind of that somebody would be there to be able to roll the stone away. They didn't know if they would have the strength to move the rock, to move that stone in front of, from out in front of the grave. And so they were there, they were going, as, as many of you have in, in your own life, where you've taken a walk to a graveside and you've maybe stood before a graveside and just kind of had a last respect. Maybe you put a flower upon a, a parent or a grandparent or whatever it would be. And they were going there with compassion for the Lord and for Jesus, the one that they loved. They came, and as they came, yet another earthquake. This time, the earth shook. There was the earthquake right there. The stone was rolled away. The guards that were standing there, guard, had began to shake, and they began to be paralyzed as if they were dead men, is what it says. And these two became fearful. I don't know about you. I, I think I'd probably be in the same boat. Fear might come upon me when I'm walking to a graveside and the earth begins to shake. The stone rolls away and a ghost or an angel is sitting on top of a stone. I might have to change. But here they sit, and, and if we were to go through all of history many times over, God did something very similar to that. If we were to go back to, to, to Moses on Mount Sinai, he revealed the law. As, right before he revealed the law, there was an earthquake. And before God revealed himself to Elijah and First King, there was an earthquake. And, and we're at these, I believe that we're in these times now, and Joel and Matthew and Revelations over and over again, it speaks of times where the earth will shake. If you didn't know, there's been more earthquakes and more major catastrophes taking place than ever before in all of history. And it's not because of global warming. No, God has said this from time. This will begin to happen. And so here we see that these, these two, they came and, and they came out of compassion. They came out of just the love of Jesus, the love of their Savior. And as the earth quakes and the stone is rolled away, they get fearful. And they, I don't know if they trembled. I don't know what took place. But we do know that it says they ran back. In the Gospel of John, it says that they ran back. We know that in Matthew in 28, it says, the angel answered and said unto the woman, fear not, you know, or ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. In John, it says that they ran before any of that. And, and so some of the study that I read said that they may have appeared and saw the stone rolled away and ran back before they saw the angel. So we don't know what, how that came about 100%, but, but the assumption would be that they came, the stone is moved, they see no Jesus, they flee, they run back to go get the rest of them, and they're coming back, hey, what's going on? And Jesus, or they, they're met by the, the angel sitting upon the, the rock and things, but he marveled. He says, come and see where the Lord lay. Mark says that he marveled because of their unbelief. John 20, verses 6 and 7, Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, the face and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Let me say this as we continue into the next point here. Jesus gave of himself and put himself on a cross. Before that, Jesus gave of himself when they came to arrest him. Jesus gave of himself. Jesus gave of himself. And 
Jesus, while he was in the tomb, did not need you or I or a centurion soldier or anybody else to roll a stone away. Jesus rolled a stone away. God Almighty rolled a stone away. Jesus didn't need somebody to unravel those clothes. Jesus was powerful enough. Jesus, God, is who he says he is for one, but he didn't need that. Nobody had to go in there and steal a body. Jesus rolled a stone away. Nobody had to do those things. God Almighty did those things. And as we, as we continue, they came with compassion and fear. And then it says this in verse number 8. They left, they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. So we've got one point being compassion and fear. The second point being joy. They departed with fear and great joy. Maybe along their journey. I don't know if they ever thought of this. Wow. Hey. I don't know. That's a bad acting job. But maybe they were running and they looked at one another. And they said do you remember? Hey duh. Why didn't we think of this? He said he wasn't going to be there. I, I don't know. How cool it would have been to be amongst the conversation. Hey, I know for me, I say, hey, idiot. <laughs> have you ever just kind of said, man, that was dumb. I don't know if that's kind of what was going through their minds, but they ran with fear and joy. So you got to think, what, what did they just see? The earthquake, the stone rolled away, an angel sitting on a rock. I would be scared. And they say, I'm supposed to go find them. And they're still leaving, but going, wait. Jesus, what, what, there's still that confusion. I can only imagine a little bit of confusion, a lot of joy going back and forth. Well, what's going on here? And they ran with fear and joy. But in the process of this, it says the other woman left the tomb, not sure of things that Mary, or I, I kind of wrote this, but not sure of the things that Mary Magdalene was sure of. And here's why I say that. If we look in John chapter 20, in verses 15. John 20 and verses 15. And I believe it's on the screen. Says this. Jesus saith unto her. Woman. Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener. Saith unto him. Sir if thou have borne him hence. Tell me where thou hast laid him. And I will take him away. In verse 16. Jesus saith unto her. Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Jesus shows himself. And in the midst of this fear in the midst of this trembling, I don't, I don't know, uh, again, what that would have been like. But at some point, hey, why are you troubled? And she says, well, where did, they, where did you take him? What did you do to him? Hey, Mary. And she stops and recognizes and realizes, oh, you are Christ. This is Jesus. Master. Master. Ah, hey, let's go. There had to have been some type of a thing, but there was great joy. I don't know about you and in your life. We'll maybe put this a little bit practical, hopefully. Has there been many times in your life or times in your life where you can think of that there was such utter joy and excitement, but you had complete fear and confusion at the same time? Some of you may go, I have no idea to talk about There's been times in my life where I've said, yes, I will do that, but I'm scared to death as to why I'm doing that. One of them was saying yes to be the pastor to Waste Baptist Church. You laugh. I'm not telling you a joke. I'm not joking. I'll never forget sitting in our office in the conference room when the group of men, when the pastor decided he was going to resign and told that group of men, and they all said, well, we kind of said, what are we going to do? And they all looked at me and said, He'll do it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll do it. I'm scared out of my mind. I, I had compassion and fear. There was joy because I thought, sure, we can do this. There was 
fear. I guarantee you've had those moments in your life. Yeah, this is going to be great. Maybe you moved to Vegas and there was an initial like, yeah, this is going to be good. But man, I don't know anybody there. Your initial excitement was, yes, God has moved us and, and God has given me a job. Or maybe it wasn't excitement at all. Why are you taking me here? But you had that, man, I'm really excited. But God, what are you, why, what are you doing here? These guys had that fear, that joy. But in verse number nine, it says this. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying what? All hail. Here's what's exciting and here's what's awesome to me in this point in this passage of scripture. Basically, all hail is just like you and I saying hello. Hey, what's going on? It'd be me and you passing each other here, seeing each other at the mall on the street. We say, hey, how you doing? It was just a very casual response. He says, all hail. Hello. What did they do? What did they do? It says, they came, held him by the feet, and worshiped him. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, when Jesus is before us, we recognize there is no questioning what we do. We just worship God. I believe as God touches the hearts of people, I've seen it, you've seen it, where you sit in a church service or where you discuss it with somebody and you tell them about sin or you tell them about the Lord and they begin to weep and they begin to cry and what do they want to do? They immediately want to and desire to, God, you need to come in. God, forgive me. God, I recognize my sin. I recognize my need of a Savior. And they immediately, whether we would call it this or not, they immediately bow before God and they desire to worship at His feet. Let me ask you this, Christian. Most of us that sit in this room would say, yes, I know Christ is Savior. Yes, I am a believer. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you just knew you needed to bow and become on your knees and grab a hold of the feet of Jesus and worship Jesus? See, here's what we do. I've been saved for... 10 years, 20 years, this is my 30th Easter service and eh, I go. It's just another thing. While the person beside you right now is weeping, their stomach is turning, they are coming to a place where they recognize a need of a Savior and they are saying, oh God, I just want to, they're ready for me to end this service and tell me to shut up so they can get saved. While we're going, I just want lunch. We get to that place. Let me ask you. When was the last time you just fell before an almighty God and worshiped at the feet of Jesus? These people, this group that was right there, when Jesus said hello, they knew exactly who he was. And they grabbed a hold of his feet and they grabbed a hold of his ankles. I don't know what, I don't know if he was kicking off them. I don't know what was taking place. But they just worshiped Jesus. At this point, there's been phases to me that are kind of powerful phases among the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. But at this point, something within them jumped we talk about joy whoa hey this guy told us that this was going to happen and here he is he said that after three days he would rise it up again and and here he is this isn't just some fairy tale this isn't just some cool story this isn't just this guy telling us all of these things that are going to happen he's here 
I saw him be put into the tomb. I saw him not there. And now as I'm running, I'm meeting him on the street. And he says, go and tell the other people. Go and tell them and I'll meet them in Galilee. And they worshiped God. But not only that, it gave them hope. Listen this morning. I can scream and shout like a madman up here because I have hope and I have an excitement. There is something that I'm living for today. There is something worth living for. For these folks at this point in time, they had hope because they saw him again. And could you imagine Jesus saying, hey, go get them. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Do you think there was any hesitation? I guarantee you those people got up and they sprinted back and they said, hey, you got to come. You got to come. We just saw him. He said he's going to beat us in Galilee. I guarantee you. Well, outside of Thomas, I guarantee you. Man, hey, we got to go. What did Thomas do? I just need to, I need to touch his hands. I need to touch his hands. I need to touch his feet. And I'm not saying anything against Thomas. Probably a lot of us in this room would have done the same exact thing. But there was joy. There was worship. And they had hope. Listen, this morning, the story of Easter the story of, of the, the resurrection, the story that, that we have every day, not just today because it's an Easter service, but that we have every single day is the story of hope. Because one day, he said to us, one day we will meet him again. He says what? That he is going to prepare a place for you. And if he goes to prepare a place for you, he will come again and receive us unto himself. That where we are, there he may be also. Hey, we have hope. He told them, I'll meet you in Galilee. He's telling us, hey, I'll meet you over there. Hey, you just keep fighting the fight. Hey, you keep doing what you've been called to do. You keep going at it. You keep going at it. You keep going at it. Let me tell you, it's going to be worth it. Hey, there's coming a day where we will stand before an almighty God. We will bow before an almighty God. And for all of eternity, we will worship him. You think it's rough living on this earth for 70 years? Listen, I have hope that this is worth it for one day. One day I will get a glimpse of my Savior. I'll tell you this. If all I ever got but was but a glimpse of my Savior. It was worth it for all of eternity. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.